we are going to be uh, jumping around a little bit, um, but as far as what we're going to read, I'm going to reference some other scriptures tonight, but as far as what we are going to read, um, we are going to be in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, and then John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Can you get that? Yeah. I'll give you a moment for all the people in the back of the house that didn't hear me. Um, John 21, verses 15 through 17, and then John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Mm-hmm. John 21, Goodness. 15 through 17. Mm-hmm. John. <laughs> Devil is alive. Um, and in John 21, verses 15 through 17. Ashley is getting it in the chat for you. If you've got your Bible and you're a paper back Christian, then you're doing good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to do the best I can. Hold this thing up to read. Now pray for me. Um, and before we go into God's Word, well, actually, let's go ahead and read first, and then we'll get to it. It says, um, in verse 15, so when they had eaten when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Uh, he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And uh, he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Judah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And let's go ahead and we're going to pop over to um, chapter 13 really quick. And let's go ahead and read that as well. And that's 13. Verses 34 through 35. Got a whole lot of scripture for you all tonight. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking, if you don't have the red letters. Um, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will they will know that you, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we just want to thank you today, God. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to just come together, even if we're not in person, God, and just give you praise, God, and give you worship. We want to thank you, Lord, for the coming, for the, for the hearing of your word, God. We pray, God, you open our ears to hear, you open our hearts to receive, God. Lord, that you will just speak into us today, God, and use, use us as you see fit, Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Speak through us today, God. Speak to us today, Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So, I want to talk a little bit about growing in love. And that is the title of our message. If you like to take notes, or if you just like to organize it, because we have to put times to make it easier to organize for ourselves. But I want to talk about this mainly because, um, if you heard, if you got it early, um, our next service is actually going to be May 27th, uh, 27th, which is two days after the five-year anniversary 
when we actually started this ministry as a youth Bible study. As you can see, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot different now. But COVID changes some things, and you just, it's more about getting Jesus and making his name things more than anything else. Am I right? So um, it's, it's, been a, it's been an odd five years since we started the ministry. But for the five-year anniversary, I really wanted to take a step back. And we kind of did take a step back in the last few weeks here. We've been at Revival. Uh, we've been going to churches, and we've been getting fed a lot, I feel like. Um, and one thing I've, I think I've messed up on, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell the truth about myself, I messed up on handling the calling and the ministry that God gave us. Because I didn't set the groundwork like I should have. And so that's what we're going to do today. And when that five-month anniversary comes up, well, the five-year anniversary comes up, we will be diving into a series that I'm going to be titling, There is One. And we're going to define what this ministry is, because I think a lot of people struggle to understand it. Uh, I think a lot of people struggle uh, to explain it. I know I struggle to explain it sometimes. And so we're going to, we're going to round out the definition of what rift is, what rising faith through him is. Um, so today, I want to lay that foundation so we can build our house. Amen. And we can't lay that foundation on anything else but the love of Jesus. And so I want to dive into laying this foundation of, of, of what Rift is and what every church foundation should be built on, and that is the love of Jesus, not just for us, but the love that we're supposed to share and take out to everyone else. Um, and so I thought the best way, I'm not going to say I thought, God kind of seeded this in my spirit during the revivals and the preaching that we've listened to. Um, of, of love. And I'll be honest, I'm someone who struggles with it. I'm someone who struggles a lot with loving other people and showing that love. Um, sometimes I get distracted, and sometimes, you know, if I'm, I'm, I don't feel comfortable around you, I'm probably not going to talk much. Um, and that, that's, that's just how I roll. Or if it's before 10 a.m., most days of the week, I'm probably not going to talk much. Um, I, I'm not a morning person. I would say, uh, give me about 10 a.m. and I'll be awake and I'll start talking some more. But before that, you're good if you get a few words out of me. Um, but I think it's something I struggle with. And so God has been working on my heart. He's been working on me. And this is for me more than it is for me. If y'all, I'm just speaking to myself. If y'all don't get nothing out of it tonight. Because I'm trying to get something out of it. Amen? So I, I, I've listened to some people and I've done some research and y'all know I love my Greek words. I love my Hebrew words. I love knowing what the meaning of the words in the Bible are actually supposed to mean. Because it changes the Bible from what we read when you look at what the words are actually supposed to mean. And so if you look in John 21, where, where Jesus is talking to Peter, and we all know this story. If you've been in church, you've probably heard it preached a million times. But Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And, and so we hear that. And it, in our language... It makes sense. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. You know I love you. And he says, okay, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And we're like, this is a little redundant that he does this three times to Peter. But when you dive into the words and what the words actually mean for love, it changes things a little bit. Um, there's actually three different words that are commonly used in the Bible for love in the Greek. Um, and those three words are Eros, which we're not going to talk about today. I'm maybe butchering the pronunciation of that because I am a Eros. Summon, summon my point. It's E R O S. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Eros. Okay. Eros. You know, they, they, it's weird. It's pronounced weird. I mean, much no pronunciation, but we're not going to get tied up in it. Okay. That love we're not going to talk about tonight, but just to give you an idea of what it means, that love is, is normally reserved for your spouse or someone you're in love with. It is a physical love. It is a it is a, a love that is normally reserved for your significant other. In other words. Um, then you have philia. And philio means brotherly love. P-H-I-L-I-O. P-H-I-L-O. I'll show you, try to type out the words for you. Um, and, and some people may know this word because um, it means brotherly love. And if you want a reference point for it, the city of Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. And it's because it comes from that root word. In the Greek, that means brotherly love. And then we have a word that most people in church have probably heard before, and that's called agape love. What agape love is, is it is the love of God. It is unconditional love. It is a love that is reserved for how God loves his children. And so in this, in this scripture here, in John 21, when Jesus is saying the first two times, Peter, do you love me? He is actually using the word agape. Peter, do you unconditionally love me? And now I want to place this in the time frame, just in case you're not familiar with when this story takes place in the Bible. Jesus has already died for our sins and resurrected. In fact, he's been, he's been, he's been up for a few days now because Peter is so comfortable enough to go fishing with the other disciples. So Jesus is resurrected for a little bit now. And Jesus pulls Peter off the water and they have breakfast and they eat together. And as they're eating, once it was ended, Jesus goes, do you love me? Do you agape love me? Do you unconditionally love me, Peter? And Peter's response, while it seems very, yes, Lord, of course I love you to us, he doesn't respond with, I agape love you. I unconditionally love you, Lord. What he responds with is brotherly love. And so the first two times, Peter, do you unconditionally love me? And Peter goes, Lord, you know that I brotherly love you. As you would expect, right? I would assume if you've been following a man for three and a half years, you probably do brotherly love him. You probably are friends. You probably do talk. You probably spend time together. And so, of course, Jesus would know that. But Jesus was saying, Peter, can you go a step further than that? Can you love me regardless of the friendship that we have? If that was to go away, would you still love me? And it's hard for us to wrap our head around, but the thing is, is that agape love is difficult, and it's not possible, in my opinion, without the Holy Spirit in us. Because it's the love of God. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't feel like you can unconditionally love someone. And for Jesus to say this to Peter, and yet to keep asking him and keep asking him, and then on the third time, Jesus comes to Peter and he says, Peter, do you brotherly love me? He goes, of course I brotherly love you. I've said it twice already. But, in Jesus, but, but for us, knowing the, the meaning of the words, Jesus was coming down to his level and saying, hey, I get you're here, I'm bending down because I'm getting down to his level. Actually, smile at him. So he, he's, he's getting down and he goes, I'll come down to your level. Do you love me? That's all I need to know. 
And so he gets down to Peter's level and he comes down to this love that is common for Peter and that Peter feels comfortable in to know, hey, it's fine if you're right here, but I need you to get up here. Because that commandment that Jesus tells us about eight chapters earlier in John, that he gives to his disciples before he's crucified, he uses agape. That you will unconditionally love each other as I have unconditionally loved you. And it changes things a little bit. Because a lot of us love to say that I can love somebody, but I don't have to like them. And I'm not going to say you're wrong. But I'm also going to say, if you're saying that, you probably don't love them unconditionally. <laughs> you're probably not loving them without condition. Because unconditional love says that regardless of how you feel about them, or what you think about them, or even what they've done to you, you still love them because that's what God has told you to do. And not even just because that's what God told you to do, but you love them just because you love them. And that's where the Holy Spirit has to come in, right? Because we're human, we're going to fail, we're not going to be perfect in love. We'll never be perfect in love, just like we'll never be really perfect in forgiveness. Uh, during, the, during the revival this week, we heard that forgiveness is, well, not this week, but it was a couple weeks ago, um, that forgiveness is a daily walk. I think a lot of us forget that. Because, you know, it's easy for us to say in the moment, I forgive that person. It's a little bit harder to not be reminded of it. The pain that they've caused you, the hurt that they've caused you. And to still say, I forgive them. And so a lot of times it's, it's telling yourself, I forgive that person, even though if you don't feel it in your heart right now, that you forgive them. In the same way, we have to love those people. In the same way, God, I love them. Even if they did take my, my, my promotion that I want. God, I love them even if they, if they did lie on me at work and hurt my job. I love them if they stabbed me in the back. I love them regardless of how annoying they could be at the family reunion. I love them just even if they did blow me off on that day. I love them despite everything because if you can love me that way after all I've done to you, then I gotta be able to love them that way. If you don't think you did anything to Jesus, let me let me just set this straight real quick. If if we don't think we did anything wrong with Jesus, let me tell you, um, he died on the cross for our sins. So what that means is that every lash, every, every, every stab, every piece of blood that was shed, every piece of flesh that was torn off of his body was from us. I think it changes things a lot. At least for me it did. Because I appreciate what Jesus did for me on the cross, but it's a little bit different when I think about that I'm the one who did it. That I was the reason he was there. Because he said even if it was just for you, or just for me, he would have done it all the same. And so we have to live with this love that, that Jesus has shown to us and show it to everybody else. And, and this agape love, is, you, may, you may think that the, point, the Greek word is a little bit pointless, but let me give you an example. Um, every, almost every time that Paul wrote about love, he wrote about agape love. So some of those examples, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, um, I'll give you the exact verse here. 
First uh, Corinthians thirteen. I'm not going to read them. Two through eight of how we can accomplish nothing without love. Even if we can reveal every mystery of the gospel, even if we can heal people, even if we can sing the most beautiful hymn and lead people in the worship, if you don't have love, you will never do it. We're nothing without it. And that's that agape love that he's talking about. If you go look in Galatians 5, 22 through 26, when Paul named the fruits of the Spirit, agape love is the first one. Agape love, this thing that we're supposed to be showing, the fruit that we're supposed to be bearing, so that people can see it and know that we are disciples of Jesus, just like he said in John 13. Uh, 13. Um, and so all these, all these verses point back to the same love that we have to have for people, that we have to show for people. And going to the, the different churches me and Ashley have been to, I'll tell you, you can feel agape love when you walk in the door. Because agape love doesn't mean that you have a greeter who says, how are you doing this, this morning? Or, or, we're so glad to have you. It's not always that. It's not always someone who just comes and says hi, or the smiles and the handshakes that you get. It's like a presence when you enter the room. You can just feel this loving atmosphere. You can feel this loving spirit coming off of people. And sometimes it's just people. It doesn't have to be a whole church. But there's some people that we have met that I can say, without a doubt, I can feel God they love coming off of them. And that's what I want to be. I don't know about y'all. Y'all can think whatever you want. I want to, I want to be like that. I want people to see me and go, man, he doesn't even know me, but he loves me. I want to be, I want to be known. I don't, want, I don't want to have to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I don't want to have to say that. But I want people to know that when I come to speak to them, when I come to, to, just to talk with them or, or shake their hand or anything small like that, that they can feel this love of Jesus Christ radiating off of me. Amen? Because we, we got to, you know, we can build our church. We can build the ministry of God. We can build the kingdom of God. But if we don't sow love, we're never going to reap. If we don't build the kingdom of God on top of the love of Jesus, that kingdom's going to fall apart. Because Jesus' love is the blood that was shed. Jesus' love is the same thing that, I don't know why this comes in my head, but I'll reference it from when I was little. If you studied the tabernacle, in the New Te Old Testament, and that was a long time ago. But the, the tabernacle was this building that the, the Jews had built to house God. This was going to be the place for God. And when they were, God was giving them exact ways to build it. And there's a lot of verses you can read about it, but I haven't really studied it. But from someone who did study it, the foundation of the tabernacle was in silver. If I remember correctly, silver. And so then you're like, okay, what was in silver? Whatever, it's just silver. But silver is the same thing that sold Jesus out. The 30 pieces of silver that Jesus got for betraying Jesus is the same thing that this tabernacle, the foundation of it was built on. The same thing that drove Jesus to the cross to show his ultimate love for us is the same thing that was the foundation of that building. 
And so it has to be the foundation of our Christian walk. It has to be the foundation of our ministry. It has to be the foundation of everything that we do because without it, we won't get anywhere. Without it, anything you build will fall apart. Because God's not in it if his love's not in it. And so, I'm, I feel like I'm speaking with urgency a little bit, but God needs us to love each other. Because right now, we don't even love each other in the church. There's a, there's a lot of churches that, you know, if you, have, if you don't dress a certain way, they're not going to talk to you. If there's a lot of churches that if you're not if you're not singing a certain way, if you're singing off tune, they just want you to be quiet. There's a lot of churches that, oh hey, you're a different denomination than us? Why are you here? We 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 are not loving each other like God loves us in the church. And then we're wondering why no one else wants to come in. Because they don't feel that same love. We're like, oh, you have tattoos? I'm sorry, I don't want to talk to you. Oh, I'm sorry, you wore jeans to church? This is, this is three-piece suits that we're supposed to wear. You're supposed to wear your best for God. doesn't matter if his jeans cost more than your entire Dollar General suit you got. Some people's best looks different. And God, there ain't one verse about wearing your best clothes in the Bible. I'm sorry if, that, if, if, if you believe that. They ain't a single verse to support it. And single verse about wearing your best clothes when you come to church and coming in with an empty heart with no intention to be at church to get anything out of it. And so we have to love people and get this junk out of our minds. These walls that we put our boxes in, these, these walls that we, we captivate our thoughts in, that we cap that keep us from going out and doing these things because what will people think? You know, we, we live in wars. And a lot of the towns around here, everybody knows everybody. Especially Lourdes, everybody knows everybody. And we'll hear gossip about somebody that we haven't spoke to in years. And we'll let that prevent us from ever speaking to them again. We'll hear one bad thing about someone and judge them based on that and not even know if it's true. We won't know if, 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 if God could be putting us in the way of their life to say, hey, you're supposed to be that light for them right now. Because, yeah, it may be true what that other person told you, but I need you to bring them out of it. Instead, we'll go, God, what will people think if they see me talking to them? What will people think if they see me hanging out with them? And the same thing that keeps us seated in the church pews when we need healing and forgiveness. When the altar call is happening and we're going, God, but what will people think if I go up to the altar? What will people think if I go up to ask for forgiveness or ask for healing or ask for just deliverance from the thing that's been holding me down? What will people think? I'm a deacon. I'm a preacher. I'm the pastor. What will people think? And I'll tell you one thing. If they got something to think about, let them think it. Because Jesus ain't thinking it. Jesus ain't thinking, oh, hey, what will people think? What do I think? Because Jesus is more worried about the relationship you have with him than the relationship you've got with anybody else. Because if your relationship with him is falling, that's the only thing that matters. People can go away. People can fall away. They don't have to be friends with you. But you've got to be with Jesus. And a lot of us treat Jesus like, okay, my relationship with Jesus can fall away right now because I'm in church Easter Sunday, and I can go hang out with my friends and go drinking and partying or do whatever I, whatever I want because 
I checked the box for the year, and that's not how Jesus works. Jesus is not the person you see at the family reunion that one time of the year and share a bowl of potato salad with. He wants to be in your life every day. He wants to speak to you every day. He wants you to call him every day. He wants you to sing with him every day. And so we, we, we constantly think, God, I'm going to put you on the back burner because i got more important things to do right now. I'll tell you, I'm the most guilty person who can ever talk about it because I am the biggest procrastinator when it comes to practicing or writing up my lesson or doing anything that I need to do for the rest because I'm a procrastinator and I procrastinate on a lot of things. And a lot of times I put Jesus on the back burner. I put him on the back burner and then I wonder, God, why am I not growing? God, why am I not getting better at this? God, why am I not loving people like you want to love me? He's like, well, you can't love them like I love you because you don't have the relationship to know how I love you. You've forgotten all about it. You never really understood it. And if that's us today, guess what? You want to fix your whole love problem? You want to fix why people aren't walking in your church store? You want to fix why people think you have a negative attitude or why people think you're judgmental? Guess what? Get back to him. Get back to the cross. Get back to Jesus. Get back to that ultimate point of love to remember what love is. To remember what love is and what that agape love looks like. Because that's the greatest example you could ever have. I don't know why I'm pointing up here, like the cross is up here, but it's, it's back there in my head, okay? But that's the greatest example we have. That's the greatest example we have of Jesus is, is the love on the cross. And it's that same love that a lot of people will go their entire Christian lives being in church every single time the doors are open and never feeling the relationship with them. They'll never feel that love and they'll never know what it's like because then they'll never be able to share it with other people. You can't share a love you don't know. You can't share the name of Jesus if you don't know who he is. And so constantly we, we lose focus of Jesus and everything else starts to fall apart and then we go... I wonder why. I wonder why I can't remember how it felt to be in his presence. I wonder why I can't remember his peace when my whole life is falling apart. I wonder why I can't remember his love. And I think a lot of us struggle with love. Because other than you getting saved, Feeling the love of God for some people comes very difficult. And I'll be honest, I'm one of those people. I did not feel the love of God until I was in high school, sitting in my car after a spring football. Even though I had been saved since I was seven and went to church every time the doors was open. And sometimes I drove myself there. My parents weren't home. And it was in that moment when I felt worthless, when I felt unloved, when I just felt downright not wanted. And I cranked that car up and heard that God is jealous for me. Now I'll just take more, not jealous of me, but jealous for me. He's not jealous of what I have. He's jealous for the relationship he wants. Then when nobody else may want to talk to me, 
or no one else may want to see me, or no one else cares what I'm doing, God does. His love is constantly chasing after me, even if I don't look back to see it. That his love is a hurricane, and I'm a tree, and I'm just standing there bending beneath it, because it's so powerful, and it's so mighty, and it's just so great and unmeasurable that it's just all around me. And I'll be honest, I hadn't thought about that in years. Until I started asking myself, God, what's holding me back from you? God, what, what is keeping me from you? And he said, you remember when you felt Worthless? And I'm like, yeah. You still feel that way. And it was in that moment that I remember that I may think I'm worthless. But God is jealous. There's nothing else he wants from me. He wants to walk with me just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden. He wants to sit and talk with me and spend time with me. And I gotta admit, nobody else loves you that way. I'll tell you, I should get sick of me, okay? I'm annoying. That's all get out to her. Okay? And it's human. I annoy everybody. I'm just gonna be honest. I mean, this morning she needed her credit card and I was trying to be funny, acting like it was a ninja star and I threw it at her. And she said, you know, I already told you you were being extra. And I hit her in the face with a credit card accident and she was like, to be honest, I'm real annoyed right now. <laughs> then she could have wanted me to walk away. But God never does. Because I throw stuff in his face every day. Every day. Anyway. We gotta, we gotta put our foundation down. And we got a month, over a month. Everybody work on it. Because if you tune in right now, I consider you a part of Rift. If you're following the page or liking the page, you are a part of Rift. But we're here to change things. God already said he called us to the nation. Amen. God's already called us to the nation, so we gotta start working on it. Because if we wanna see the nation change, we gotta start changing. Because revival's great. Everybody wants revival right now because of Asbury, and I get it, because revival is great. But if y'all remember that old song, um, Revival Starts With Me? I can't remember how it went. It's Tim, Tim, I think it was. But he was talking about a pastor that he was asking for revival to come to his church, and God said, well, draw a circle around yourself. He said, because revival's got to start with you first. So revival's got to start with us. And we got to start laying that foundation. We got to start laying that foundation of love that God has for us so that we can get it out to everybody else. Because I can preach up here and I can do all this nonsense preaching and say all the pretty words that y'all want to hear. And I can say, I can speak poems. I could be the most eloquent speaker that has ever lived. I could be better than Billy Graham. But I don't got love. Ain't nobody coming. Ain't nobody wanting to hear it. Ain't nobody going to get saved. Because we don't have the love of God in us, it doesn't matter what we do. 
doesn't matter how much I play this piano or Ashley sing or how much we get out in the community and help people. It doesn't matter. Because we're not building a kingdom, we're just building ourselves. And don't nobody want to see us. Don't nobody want to see us. Amen.